Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 68, the 1776 We Are the Champs post edition of the uh, Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, had a great uh, Independence Day weekend and you know had a lot of racing that we saw on Sunday with Formula One, the second uh, Austrian Grand Prix. And then we had the kind of double header on NVC with Mid-Ohio IndyCar and then Road America in the Cup Series, the Cup Series debut at, or well, returned Road America after uh, 65 years, you know, and then of course um, the uh, SRX race on Saturday night. So uh, let's get into it. Yeah, we're going to get into all those things. Uh, we'll get into Max Verstappen and continuing his uh, uh, charge to what would be his first World Drivers Championship and Red Bull's first Constructors Championship since 2013 at the Austrian Grand Prix with his victory there. Uh, we will also discuss Joseph Newgarden's first win of 2021, Penske's first win this year in the IndyCar Series. Uh, historic since it was on this for this that day on july the 4th of what do you think 71 or something or whatever it was 69 70 something where they won their first ever race with mark donahue um in indycar at pocono raceway no less um then we'll get into william clyde elliott the second doing what he usually does on road courses which is win get into some of the key players in that race other than him uh he had to start the back so did kyle bush who ended up winning the xfinity race to nobody's surprise and also because he wrecked his car in practice and then chase briscoe because of the stupidity of the qualifying system they have and all three of those guys finish in the top six uh, we'll get on all of that we'll also get into ernie francis jr going and winning being uh the second driver this year that uh, in this four weeks so far in the srx that has put their actual championship aspirations to the side to go and race in the srx and win albeit he's been in the series every week it isn't just like doug kobe who was the local hero um there's a interesting local hero this week at slinger uh get into that and also the fact that william clyde elliott the second will be driving against william clyde elliott the first at nashville fairgrounds for the series finale for at least this year uh, amongst other things that have come up here in recent days for um, the srx and then the roundup we'll talk about f3 and w series at austria uh imsa had a, a what do you call a sprint race the weather tech 240 at watkins glen World Superbikes at Donington saw Garrett Gerloff get his uh, first podium of uh, his career in the World Superbikes, uh, coming off of his MotoGP debut for the um, Patronus team. And they'll be going to Assen this week or in a couple weeks' time, uh, which is one of the great uh, circuits in all the world. Um, They'll also have uh, super or supercars at Townsville for the first of a couple races there. And Formula E will be running in Brooklyn this weekend in uh, the Red Hook section for the New York City E-Prix on uh, Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk about Atlanta's reconfiguration and how they did it on iRacing. 
Um, Josh had a good point that he made on his Twitter, so I'm going to let him get into that because it kind of flows into the sim. But we'll, of course, Josh will have a sim segment, but we'll also talk about what the reconfiguration means in general relative to the new car. We'll talk about the Quaker State 400 and uh, whatever the hell they're named, the, the Xfinity race to, that they took. Uh, basically, this is the Kentucky weekend. They moved it over to Atlanta. We'll talk about the first race at Knoxville Raceway for the truck series. Some of the uh, great 410 wing sprint car standouts. It'll be driving a truck there. And um, and some of the other guys will be making uh, one-offs or whatever that are Cup Series or whatever. Make our picks. Josh will do a sim segment, and uh, we'll uh, call it a day here on episode 68, one before the Ronnie the Limo Driver episode next week. Um, Max Verstappen, uh, as we said earlier, won at, at Austria for a second consecutive week. And then, uh, I mean, it, it was pretty straightforward for him. I uh, won going over here. Going into the results, he won by 17. 17.9, nearly 18 seconds over Valtteri Botas, And 20 seconds, just a bit over 20 seconds uh, over Lando Norris. Verstappen had such a big lead, he was able to go and put a set of soft tires and go and solidify the fastest lap even though we knew he was going to get the fastest lap anyway lewis hamilton had issues after his first pit stop and fell from second to fourth carlos signs fifth sergio perez sixth daniel ricardo seventh charlie claire eighth pierre gasly ninth and fernando alonso one lap down in 10th place, uh, the lucky loser, unfortunate uh, circumstance goes to George Russell, who had a chance to score his first point for Williams and first point for Williams. And I don't know how many, probably to 2018, I think. And he fell 5.6 seconds short away from that uh, after Alonzo passed him. So, yeah, Max Verstappen. Uh, continues his charge to his first world championship. It's his second consecutive max point score, no pun intended. Um, I think it was his first grand slam of his career. I think something like that, uh, which was pole, you know, win, lead every lap, and get the fastest lap. It's a fourth race out of the last five that he's won and he's when he's finished a race this year he hasn't finished worse than second so that's uh pretty pretty darn good gotta say so um yeah max Verstappen wins extends his points lead to 32 josh i mean what did you take away from the austrian grand prix well, it was basically a repeat of the week before, except now with a total domination with the Grand Slam, like you said, with pole win, fastest lap and leading every lap in that race. And from that perspective, I mean, there wasn't really much to that race. But if you, you know, look throughout the field, there, of course, was a lot of action. I mean, you saw 
at the beginning of the race uh, or like shortly after the beginning of the race with Lando Norris and Sergio Perez got into it and Sergio Perez was uh, trying to pass on the outside of uh, Lando Norris. And then um, he got into the gravel and then Lando got a penalty five seconds. And then that put him back behind uh, Valtteri Botas. And then, you know, later on uh, Charles Leclerc and then Sergio Perez also uh, got into it again with each other uh, a couple of times there, uh, uh, Perez put uh, Leclerc into the grass, and then uh, uh, Leclerc tried to pow- uh, pounce on the uh, pass him on the outside uh, through the carousel, uh, and and uh, Perez again kind of uh, used up all the track, and then uh, put Leclerc uh, into the dirt, and Leclerc was uh, pretty pissed, and I think uh, Perez had a couple of five second penalties there, but still managed to finishing fourth there. So uh, there was a bit of you know action there throughout the field, and then of course in the last lap there's incident with uh uh Raikkonen and uh Sebastian Vettel crashing into each other and then of course technically the race finishing under caution or under yellow flag but uh for the most part I mean it was a uh, pretty uneventful other than that stuff and then I think you have to also talk about Lewis Hamilton falling from uh second he you know fell back to fourth after his first pit stop and then you know went back to second and then uh towards the end of the race he ran over a curb i guess and then that uh caused a lot of damage to uh the rear of his car didn't have quite a uh, the same level of downforce that he had uh during the rest of the race and then he was able uh or he was unable to keep his position and then fell from uh second to third he got passed by uh, his teammate and then uh, Lando Norris passed him uh shortly later and then he just continued to fall back and then ended up finishing like at least you know, like 26 seconds behind uh, Lando Norris. So that should tell you uh, how bad he was performing uh, at the end of the race. And then uh, Sergio Perez was uh, just about a second and a half behind him there. So uh, even though he, he was still able to retain somewhat good of a finish, finishing fourth, uh, it was definitely a struggle for Lewis Hamilton there and not the finish that he needed, certainly uh, for the championship battle. Is now he's, like you said, he's 32 points behind. And, you know, with the, the way the point structure is in Formula One, you know, if you finished in, in second in that race, definitely uh, would it be a little bit closer in the gap uh, from him to uh, Max Verstappen there. Uh, and now he's more than a full race of points behind uh, Max Verstappen if you count the max points that he got today. And uh, just shows you the amount of uh, fight that uh, Lewis Hamilton has in front of him. He, we, we know he can get it done as a driver, but of course, uh, like he said, the last couple of weeks with uh, Mercedes, they have to be able to get upgrades. And the thing is, what's, uh, I guess, interesting about this fight is we, we've seen how, how far they're falling behind in the points battle. And we're only on race nine of 23. So we're not even halfway through the season. And it's already looking like uh, it's very likely that uh, Verstappen is going to win this title. And I think it was probably clear for a while that that was the case. But I think now with Verstappen getting three wins in a row, I think it's definitely uh, uh, very clear now uh, that uh, the Red Bull team with him have a, have a really good chance to win this title. And it's uh, going to be very much an uphill battle for uh, Lewis Hamilton to come back and win, try and win this title. Um, we still, you know, we still have a long way to go. Maybe they, they find something and then, uh, they're able to challenge again and maybe they go on a run of uh, a couple of races in a row, maybe four in a row or something, but it would take a lot to, uh, to see that happen. So I think right now we, um, just about pencil in, uh, for stopping, but we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, it's it's hard to go and completely count out a seven-time world champion with 98 wins, but as it stands right now, Max Verstappen is racing at a level that he never has before. Red Bull is racing at a level they haven't been at since 2013 or even 14. Uh, they are they have a power unit that is probably if if not the best one of it's in the and it's in the conversation with Mercedes and better team better strategy better car it's it's very hard to see where uh, Lewis can pull this out um, I said it on Grid Talk. Uh, last Sunday that, you know, it's got signs of uh, Lewis post first world championship where from like 2010 to 2012, where he'd win races, they had a good car, but they didn't have a great car. Um, Stuff would happen. You'd be in a position to possibly win, but then something would happen or he'd do something wrong or whatever. And he would not win the world championship. He'd be in the conversation or he'd have a chance, but he wouldn't be as consistent as either Vettel or Alonzo or somebody like that. He's picked up on what those guys did, and that's why he won all those world championships in a row, or has won all these world championships in a row, and should have eight. Um, but in this case, it's kind of went the other way. He, uh, the first pit stop, fine, he got through that, but he had. Uh, I mean, what is it? Botas had a good start there again. This race put pressure on him. He had issues, but he still was able to kind of hold on a second. Then he goes and has runs and gets the damage on the floor, which is where uh, basically the the race kind of went away for him. And then he went from being somewhat of a factor for whatever that is to first second to just not having any pace and Lando passed him on merit. And then as Josh said, you know, to finish 26 seconds behind a McLaren is just inexcusable in the sense of what car that Lewis is in, but he had damage. We don't know what the full extent of everything there was. I mean, they said some stuff about how many points of downforce he lost. and Whatever it is, for the last four races, Mercedes has definitely not been the team that has won all these consecutive constructors' championships and all these world championships, drivers' championships. And if they do not respond at this British Grand Prix, next week and then at hungary a couple weeks after that there it'll be 11 races into a 23 race schedule as it stands 23 races who knows they might end up dropping one because we've lost the australian grand prix i'm not really sure about what they're going to do hopefully they will come to the u.s they haven't said anything about mexico uh i think one of the races is being replaced with the turkish grand prix uh you know the so, I mean, there's still stuff going on. They may end up having less races. So they have to win, honestly. And we'll talk more about that next week um, in the Ronnie the Limo Driver episode that uh, 
you know, if they don't, I honestly, God, if they don't win or they don't put it on pole, something, change this momentum, I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to make the run that they need to make in the second half of the season to win this world championship. Uh, but we will see and and kind of find out as that goes along. Botas responded, of course, getting that second place finish at a time when uh, George Russell has been performing here in recent weeks uh, in the Williams, a car that is just generally not that good. Uh, you look at Nicholas Latifi, who isn't a great driver, but he can't even beat, there's times when he can't even beat Egghead and, and Mick Schumacher. And and George Russell is battling a two-time world champion for a point. So it tells you what kind of driver he is. It tells you what Mercedes sees in him and probably is going to do uh, in regards to their ride for next year. That second car, if they're right, if they're smart, that's what they're going to do. Um, if they leave him at Williams for another year, I think it's criminal. It's really a joke. Um, basically, you're saying that Valtteri Botas, this is the second time or third time in four years or something, because this is what, 17, five years he's been in, in, a, in this team, Mercedes team. And this is probably the third year that I can come up, at least the third year I can remember where he's been a non-fact. And there's a couple of years there where he just completely sucked, and he's been really bad this year. That Sunday's race is the first time he showed up really all year. I mean, he shows up okay on, on Saturday. I'm talking about showing up on Sunday. You know, if, if, if qualifying was what counted for everything, then no neck would be a first ballot Hall of Famer in NASCAR for all the qualifying and all the polls he had for years. But how many of those did he convert into wins? It's the same thing as running well on Saturday and you get a shit start, which is like a Valtteri Botas uh, special. Um, I mean, for him to go and respond credit to him, I, I was really kind to him uh, during the uh, Grid Talk podcast. You want to go and listen to that on YouTube or wherever you can get podcasts they, that for what he did, because you don't expect Porridge to actually show up there and actually do something. Well, he did. And he made Lewis work and he got him in a, make them make mistakes and stuff like that. But let's be clear here. He's had five years in this car and he's only finished second in the world championship, I think twice. And he isn't going to finish second in the world championship this year. Um, he's going to, it's going to be tough. I, he needed that second place to get himself into the battle for third. He's in a battle with Checo and Lando for third in the world championship. So there's a possibility you could finish fifth in the world championship in the second best car. That's, that's just not going to cut it. And when he likely gets sent, he's going to have plenty of options because of the world endurance championship and the hypercar formula and IMSA and all that. And he, or rallying or whatever, he has plenty of options. The funny part is like for all, you like, oh man, you're gonna send Lando Norris, or I mean, you're gonna send Valtteri Botas away. Oh, it's, 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 he's gonna be fine. Guy's made a shit ton of money. He's won Grand Prix. He's a good driver. He's not great. He's gonna have a career. You know, like it's not that big of a deal. Um, 
but that's something to see in regards to the points. Um, you know, as it says, 32 points in the drivers. Checo has a three-point lead on Lando Norris and 12 on Valtteri Bottas, and that's for the third in the world championship. Leclerc and Sainz are only two points uh, apart in, from sixth and seventh. Then there's another mini battle, 10 points. Daniel Ricciardo is a point ahead of Gasly, and then he's 10 points ahead of Sebastian Vettel for 10th. And that's basically it because, what is it, Fernando Alonso's best finish so far this year is the sixth-place finish he had at Baku, I think it is. Yeah. He's had four consecutive point scoring finishes, so that's pretty good for him. And he's gotten past Esteban Ocon because what was it? Who was it? He, Esteban Ocon was actually ahead of him before before that four race run that he's been on. Um, and so that's uh, something there since Esteban Ocon just got a four or three year extension. And he hasn't done shit since. Um, I mean, I'll I'll go to this before we move on. I mean, George Russell has really stood out in recent weeks, not only because he does great on Saturday with his qualifying, but he's been able to go and run well in the race, at least these last two races at Austria, making something happen. And I think really emphasizing why he should be in a Mercedes. It was kind of a heartbreaking deal uh that he wasn't able to get that point um he should have gotten a point honestly one of these two races he probably should have gotten a point but maybe it'll come here later in the season but it's i think it's more of a sign of what kind of driver and what kind of talent george russell is and why what i mean is what would be the excuse at this point for mercedes to not put him in the car after he should have won the secure Grand Prix too, leaking all all the way back to a few months ago. He qualified on the outside pole, dominated the race, should have won it. They fucked him over on a pit stop. Then they fucked. Then they had to. He didn't even put the tire on. Then they had to make him come back again. He got a cut tire, came back, and he stole a score point. I mean, come on. Like I don't know, Josh. I mean that the the. The reality is they probably should have put him in the car this year, but uh, they gave Botas the benefit of the doubt. But really, what is what would be the justification in your mind to go and because I don't have anything, I don't know how I could, but what would be the justification for them not to put George Russell in the second car to learn from Lewis Hamilton? Because Lewis is going to be leaving here eventually. I mean, he's the same age as me. And he's, well, got $8 trillion compared to my nothing. But the fact of the matter is, he's going to leave at some point. You need to have somebody to take the reins if you want to keep this team going. He's the guy. He's the kind of guy that can go and bring a team around him. And people want to work with him. And they can build and build a world champion. He's a world champion in waiting. Valtteri Botas is a nice guy. There's a difference. I mean, I think with Valtteri Botas, like he definitely probably shouldn't be in this car this year and definitely not next year. 
I mean, I think in my mind, the only reason is just the, the contract, I guess the, uh, I guess whatever contract they had going in, um, I'm not quite clear on the details, but maybe they're just honoring the contract and, and they, they know he's going to be gone, uh, next year. So they're just going to let him run out, I guess. And then, you know, for, uh, for George Russell, I mean, it's probably the same thing, I guess, with, with, uh, his stuff. I mean, and y'all also have to think about like, uh, the way the pandemic kind of affected all that stuff as well. And, you know, a lot of, you know, things changed between before that and now and maybe they went for stability or something just to uh, go with the transition uh, going into next year with the new car. Maybe uh, they wanted George Russell just to start out uh, in a new era for Formula One with the the new uh, Formula One uh, rules coming in next year. So maybe that's something to think about. But I definitely think uh, he should be in that car next year as a teammate to Lewis and then uh, with Lewis having the uh, three-year extension or two-year extension, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting pairing. And then you know, this is probably going to be Lewis's last contract or second to last contract before he leaves the sport. So at least for a few more years, um, he should be able to be challenged in on a weekly basis. And I think George Russell is definitely the driver who can achieve that and actually push Lewis Hamilton uh, on a week-to-week basis. And that's one thing, you know, Lewis and uh, Toto and company went and before we got to the summer break, signed a new contract for two more years. So the next two and a half years, we know uh, Lewis and the 44 will be in the Silver Arrows. Uh, see if he can continue all these great hard get all the hardware continue earning hardware i don't know how many more wins he's really going to get this year the way things are going but hopefully he can get to 100 if nothing else um he's gotten to the 100 polls earlier this year so can he get to the 100 wins um and take that solace as they go into a new well, formula and in 2022 or with new regulations in 22 not a new like kind of engine formula, which is going to come in 2025. Um, which um, there's news on that with how Honda is going to kind of help Red Bull uh, next year, at least in a transitional year before Red Bull fully takes over the intellectual property, which is the Honda power unit in Formula One. They've came out and said they better be interesting or else they're going to go Formula E. I'm like, nobody... Nobody's taking your threats. You're not Ferrari. Um, you make a crappy energy drink. Really, nobody's going to miss you if you go away. Because Max Verstappen will get signed by somebody else. So it really doesn't matter. And your driver development program is basically filled Formula E and the World Endurance Championship. So it hasn't been the most effective uh, uh, driver development program either. Uh before we get into IndyCar, just go over the constructors, 44 points. So if you think about, what is it? It's 43 points for a max score for first and second, or 44 points for a max score if you consider the fastest lap. So they have a full race on uh, Mercedes in that as well. So um, it's been a pretty ugly five Five consecutive races, uh, 
where Red Bull has outscored the Mercedes team. They got 30 points at Monaco. They had 25 at um, at Baku. Then they had 11, 4, and 4 the last three weeks. So still 19 points gained, but then you gave up, you know, 55 at the two street races. And that's where probably the big chunk of why they're behind by 44 points really happened. And these next couple of races are going to be key in whether or not uh, Mercedes has any chance. McLaren, 19-point lead over Ferrari for third in the constructors. Alpha Tori is fifth with a four-point lead over Aston Martin. Alpine is in seventh there. 16 points out of 5th, 12 points out of 6th. And Alfa Romeo uh, has 2 points. Williams is ahead of Putin Haas. Uh, those are two teams that don't have points as of now. The Indy cars were at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course last Sunday afternoon for the Honda Indy 200. Uh, Joseph Newgarden dominated from pole 73 of the 80 laps led but he had a he had to hold off charging Marcus Erickson and the husky the chocolate chip Ganassi uh husky car number 8 Alex Polo series points leader finished third all-time mid-ohio Race winner Scott Dixon in fourth, so Ganassi two through four, and Alexander Rossi finished fifth. Graham Rehall finished sixth. Roman Grosjean from 18th finished seventh. Pato Award from 20th finished eighth. Rootbeer Floathead finished ninth, ahead of teammate Takuma Sato. Uh, Ferrucci was 20, started 22nd. Sato started 19th, so big deal there. Uh, all three Ray Hall cars get in the top 10. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais actually got a decent finish. Started 12th, finished 11th. Um, Tatiana Calderon randomly got to test his car uh, today. And so... I mean, for whatever that is, I guess if they don't keep Sebastian Bourdais and they want to have another ride buyer that can't finish better than 20th, like Dalton Kellett seemingly can't. Uh, I mean, he basically, the only person he can beat is Jimmy Johnson. Um, but at least Jimmy didn't spin uh, this race, and he only was one lap down, and he was in the, in the uh, conversation with, Norman and Kellett there at the back end of the field. And he actually beat Felix Rosenquist, Ryan Hunter Ray. Um, Will Power and Ed Jones crashed three laps into the race. So, yeah, Joseph Newgarden gets himself uh, back into this deal. I mean, he's 69 points behind uh, going into the break. Uh, the next race will be at home for him, the Nashville street course, in a month's time. But, you know, he wins from pole, third pole of the year. 
he's uh he's got a chance. I mean, the fact is Dixon and Newgarden, they're the most prolific uh championship drivers, right? That that we have. Those two battled for this title a year ago. Newgarden went on a run in the second half of the year to take up a to make up a huge points deficit. But um it's gonna be hard with Alex Below the way he's been driving this year. Six podiums and ten races, average finish of five point six and two wins. It's uh gonna be hard to beat uh the the new uh the new rocket the hot shoe that uh Chip Ganassi has. And also considering Chip Ganassi is like flush with money after um the sale of his cup effort where that money is going to be funneled into probably the between the IndyCar effort and then uh, the sports car burgeoning sports car effort that he's going to have going on too. But uh, yeah, Joseph Newgarden gets a win for Penske first win for Penske this year in uh, the IndyCar series, Josh. Oh yeah. It was, it's interesting with uh, Joseph Newgarden and how they've had a jinx uh, this year overall with team Penske. I think one thing they have to consider with how, how far he's back in the championship is the last couple of races before this race, you know, he had the uh, last lap or pass with two laps to go. Uh, the second race at Detroit and then at road America had that issue off the restart and couldn't get it going. And if those things didn't happen, we would be sitting here with uh, Joseph Newgarden going for three in a row and certainly a lot closer in the title uh, for uh, IndyCar and could be in the points lead or could be very close to Alex Blow in the points. So I, I think with uh, Joseph Newgarden, if they're able to actually put together a good run of races where they finish like this or they finish on the podium uh, and they're able to uh do that repeatedly and reproduce those results, then I think you can see uh, Joseph Newgarden, you know, coming into the last race of the season, uh, having a, a chance to win the title uh, over Alex Blow if he's there or somebody like Pato Award or even uh, kind of a repeat of last year with Scott Dixon or maybe all four of them are going for it uh, at the last race of the year. So I think uh, you have to think about that with uh, the way Penske has been running. Uh, they just haven't had the results. They've been performing uh, incredible the last couple of weeks. They just haven't had uh, the finishes that they've wanted. And it speaks to their, their pace as well. Uh, they've had uh, polls the last couple of weeks as well. So as long as they're able to stay out front, they should be contenders. Uh, week in and week out uh, for the rest of the season. So I think uh, with uh, with that, I think definitely New Gardens there. And then also I think with uh, Pato Award, even though even though he didn't finish on the podium and wasn't close to the uh, leaders really uh, with, with uh, the way he drove from uh, tw- uh, 20th uh, going up to 12th, that's definitely a very, to eighth, that's definitely a good finish for him and a good uh, comeback from that uh, bad qualifying effort. I think uh, you have to look out if they are able to qualify up front uh, on a consistent basis, they, they should be a, a contender as well for podiums and uh, more race wins. So this championship, even though the points are kind of spread out and it looks like it's a large lead is definitely not over. I definitely think uh, Pelo still has to, uh, continue to be consistent, still continue to grab podiums and, and, uh, get more victories. So I think, uh, can't count out paddle or 
you can't count out uh, Newgarden inserting himself in the uh, conversation this week. And of course, uh, Scott Dixon can't count him out either. Uh, even though he wasn't really a factor at all uh, throughout the weekend, he was still able to finish fourth. So he's still there, but don't count him out yet. And you talk about guys like in the back, like Jimmy Johnson brought him up earlier. Like, I mean, even though he finished a lap down and you know, it was another 22nd place finish for him. Uh, he, he had some pretty competitive lap times at the end of the race compared to people like Simon Pagino, uh, who he was racing around, you know, compared to uh, guys like uh, Renus VK, uh, definitely somebody who uh, has had pretty good speed, especially coming out of that injury that he had uh, from the cycling accident. Uh, I think those guys are, you know, pretty good road horse uh, racers and uh, Jimmy Johnson still being within pace of those guys during a race run. Uh, shows that you know, he's he's definitely learning, and they they just have to be able to put everything together and and uh, be able to qualify well and uh, get a, a you know, good time so that they can uh, you know be up front or close to up front. And it's uh, going to take a lot of a lot of uh, effort and a lot of results. But it's, this is uh, definitely, I think, next year when he's going to be able to do this again, uh, he'll be able to be a lot more competitive on the result sheet uh, than what he is right now. So uh, definitely think they're growing. And I think um, other guys to talk about, like uh, Alexander Rossi hasn't quite had the year that he's wanted and finished in fifth. Uh, Romain Grosjean putting in an excellent result once again on, on the road course. He's definitely uh, one of the more exciting newcomers to come around in IndyCar uh, the last couple of years, even though he's running a partial schedule and maybe expanding to ovals next year. So if he's able to run a full season, he could, even though they're in the coin car, definitely could be a, a contender uh, in, in the points. I don't know about championship, but he could definitely be a surprise like top five uh, points finisher at the end of next year, if he runs full time and then, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, Graham Ray hall finishing in sixth and then also Santucci and then, uh, Takuma Sato. So that was a good day overall for, uh, Ray, Ray hall, uh, Letterman Lanigan racing there. Uh, so they had a good result, even though, uh, they didn't win the race, uh, of course. And then I think, um, you know, another guy to talk about Scott McLaughlin finishing in 12th, uh, didn't really, uh, do anything, but, you know, as a rookie in the series, just getting consistent results. I think, uh, that's what they've got to aim for. So uh, even though it wasn't really, a, a exciting race overall, um, you know, there was mostly domination by Joseph Newgarden. The beginning was kind of bad with the wreck with, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and then James Hinchcliffe and then, um, Felix Rosenquist there at the beginning of that race. And then, Will Power got into it with uh, with Ed Jones. Uh, that was a. Other than that, there wasn't really any incidents, and then you know it was just a pure domination uh, with uh, Joseph Newgarden there. So, uh, solid race for Mid Ohio overall, I think. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it was I was reading somewhere. It's like, well, they won Dodd in ten years, and it's like you think about last year when Rosenquist dive tried to dive bomb. Scott Dixon in the keyhole and almost took both of them out. There's been other races there, of course, that have been pretty darn good. Can't have a good one every time. But I think the TV ratings, based on what Champ Webb uh, read it on his Twitter, that this is the highest rated non-Indy 500 race on NBC ever. And it works out that, of course, they're in a TV they're trying to get a new contract. Um, 
course, CBS isn't in, in play. Uh, Fox probably isn't in play either. And then you have ABC, which is where they came from, and they don't, they just got ABC, ESPN just went and got hockey again. So now they're going to have the Monday night package with NFL. They're going to have MLB with their Sunday night baseball, whatever else crap they're going to do. You're going to have NHL. They're going to be the leads with the NHL. And then they have the NBA, which, I mean, after all the bullshit that they're doing with Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols, who knows how well that, how far that's really going to go. But fact of the matter is, uh, they're not really in place. So really, NBC is the one that has it. Combination of regular NBC, some cable channel, whether it's USA or some other cable channel within their big realm, the amount of channels they have. And then, of course, the Peacock uh, streaming platform uh, probably is going to be the combination uh, that they go with going into 2022. Now, who they keep or who they have to broadcast is also to be determined. Hopefully, you keep lead. I mean, there's people that hate Lee Diffie. They can go, go and F themselves. I'm, I love Lee Diffie. I'm not in a not in a gateway. The fact is, I just respect Lee Diffie. Um, he could announce any, he could say anything, you know, just make me happy. Um, he does, you know, he gets a little excitable, but whatever, it's fine. Um, the fact that he changes the way he says Graham Ray Hall's name is probably the, re- every time he says it, is probably the reason I became a fan of his, amongst other things, and bringing the action and all the other crap that Lee Diffie says. But, um, Worst case, they could call Alan Bestwick because uh, after next week, he ain't going to have anything to do when it comes to racing. And it's way better than calling third-rate college football or the US, or calling ESPN tennis on, like, the back courts. Um, it would probably be a better use of his time and energy to have him call IndyCar or, I don't know, maybe call NASCAR uh, because he actually knows NASCAR and isn't shitty like Rick Allen. But um, I'll digress on that. Uh, The IndyCar points, Polo has a 39-point lead over award, 56 on Scott Dixon in third. I said Ronnie, the limo driver's number, in fourth for Joseph Newgarden, 104 points for Marcus Erickson. 113, Pagino, 124 for Colton Hurd, who started second and only finished Favell way back outside of the top 10. VK missed a race. He's in eighth. Bream Rehal, ninth. Takuma Sato in 10th. So the uh, battle, Erickson, Pagino, nine points separate them. Then Herda to Rehal's four points. So there's that. Sato. And power are separated by the 17 points for the final spot in the top 10. Rossi is eight points or anyway, yeah, eight points behind Will Power. And uh, Scott McLaughlin's 11 points behind Will Power. So those are the battles, at least on the top end of the point standings. 
I mean, Jimmy Johnson right now is 21 points behind Max Chilton, who's run all the races. Um, they're the two worst drivers that have run every race this year. Um, Rosenquist missed a couple races, but he's well ahead of both of them. Yeah, so there is that. Of course, if I'm Dalton Kellett and I have drivers that there's, what is it, one, two, three drivers, four drivers that I haven't run every race this year and a lot less races than him. Well, no, I said that's the that has run the full season, but the fact I'm uh, that's an incorrect statement. The fact that they've only run all the road courses, the worst driver that's run every race this year, of course, is Kellett, Jones, then Hinchcliffe, uh, Connor Daly, and Hunter Ray. Um, of course, Hinchcliffe and Hunter Ray. It sounds like neither of them are going to have a job with Andretti Autosport next year. So take it as you will. In regards to that, uh, the uh, Cup Series ran at Road America first time since '56, as uh, Josh mentioned. Uh, Tim Tim Flock, I think, or won that race in a Mercury. This time, William Clyde Elliott won in a makeshift Chevrolet Camaro. He led 24 of the race's 62 laps. Um, the fact that they don't run a 250-mile IndyCar race and they ran this as 200 miles, I don't know, whatever. I don't I don't get why you'd run a cup race longer than an IndyCar race there. It really doesn't make sense. But William Clyde Elliott wins over Christopher Bell, uh, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, the top five. Kyle Busch, of course, started in the back. Chase Elliott started in the back as well. And Hamlin had a decent car. He was looking, he was gunning for hard R uh, in regards to the regular season title. And uh, hard R got cleaned out by, um, what's his face, Alex Bowman, which was great. Uh, Chase Briscoe had a chance at a top five. He was running in a position to possibly finish fourth, and he had his car shut off because they had some sort of fuel pickup issue. Um, that's convenient, considering whenever he runs well, some bullshit always happens. He was running well at Nashville, and he blew a tire after having brake failure or whatever. Then he runs well here, and he's, his car shuts off. The only good thing is that his car got all the way home and finished sixth to tie his best career finish from a few weeks ago. Ross Chastain, seventh. Tyler Reddick, eighth after starting fourth. Uh, Truax, um, ninth, and D Burrito in tenth. A lot of the drivers that started in the back, so what is this? One, two, three or five of the drivers that started outside of the top 34 or out, yeah, from 34th to 40th uh, finishing the top 12. So it shows that a lot of the best cars or some of the best cars were buried because of the stupidity of qualifying. Um, you know, other guys, I mean, 
We'll go mention Ryan Priest blew an engine six laps in the race, but he had no pace anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, Ryan Eversley, uh, fan of him. Uh, you think about the Dinner with Racers podcast and a great, great driver and coach on the road courses and sports car racing, wins in TCR and Honda Civics regularly. Uh, had to drive a Rick Ware a load, and uh, they lost a rear gear 27 laps into the race. Uh, so unfortunate, but he got to make his cup debut. I was trying to get him to go and talk to Justin Marks um, so that he could, because he's friends with him, Justin Marks, and these days it seems like Justin Marks is so flush with money he can buy whole entire cup organizations. So I'm like, why don't you just go and talk to him to go and get you an Xfinity car and go and run an Xfinity race or two and run in competitive equipment. It'd be a novel concept. Uh, Cindric Gumby led the race and then had a axle and rear gear problem. Suarez had a transmission problem again. Uh, Will Byron was running up front for a while and then had issues and ends up basically finishing tailback. At least he, I mean, it shows how bad Quinn Huff is when he couldn't even beat William Byron um, after all the problems William Byron had. You have A.J. Allmendinger, who probably rage quit the way he usually did on road courses when he was a full-time driver. Harvick sucked. Uh, Bubba Wallace's finish does not show where he was at times, uh, but that won't matter to maggot culture. Uh, Bowman had a tire rub and everything after uh, cleaning out Larson and had to come in. Larson uh, ended up finishing 16th, even though he had a car that was probably a win, a car that could have possibly won. All the Hendrick cars, you look at it, Byron, Finished first and second in both stages. Kyle Larson finished third and fourth. So those are two cars that should have been that were up there the whole day. Uh, finishes don't show how good they really were. Chastain was up there all day, and he got that top 10 finish. So he continues his progression, um, even though uh, his current situation is he probably doesn't have a job uh, going into 2022, at least in the Cup Series. Because one of the cars for the uh, what is what the hell is it called? Track house is already given to Daniel Suarez, and um, there's only one opening. But really, as it stands, Kurt Busch is probably going to twenty three eleven. So, really, Ross Chastain might be in play still to go and drive for that organization. So um, Clyde is only two wins away from passing on road courses from passing Jeff Gordon as the all-time wins leader in road course history. Uh, granted, they're running a hell of a lot more road courses than when both uh, Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart were running when they only had two road courses a year. Kind of wish they had more road courses back then, too, because then Tony Stewart would probably have would have had over 50 wins. Um, but in this case, Clyde makes his name on him. And uh, kind of uh, after a quiet start to the season, solidifies himself 
as a championship contender here uh, at Road America uh, and going to a home, doing a home game this weekend at Atlanta. He finally gets, uh, he'll get a chance to to win at Atlanta. He said it himself, he's never really run well at home. Well, he comes off of a win and he gets to go home in the summer on a slick racetrack. The last time Atlanta Motor Speedway will have their their pavement that the, they had from 1997. What better way to go and have a send-off than have good old Clyde uh, win at Atlanta. But um, in regards to this race, it was typical Clyde uh, dominating on a road course. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a domination there until the end uh, of the uh, third stage, or I guess the beginning of the third stage. And with uh, the first two stages, it was mostly William Byron. And then in second stage, uh, basically uh, Matt, Matt DiBenedetto, although he didn't end up winning that stage. It was Tyler Reddick that won that one. But Matt DiBenedetto was up there. Uh, Sendrick was up there for a bit in that second stage. Uh, until he had that problem with his rear gear. So uh, if it weren't for that, we could have been talking about Cindric being a contender late in that race. But uh, in, in this third stage, uh, Elliot was able to go out and take the lead. And then it's basically his uh, race after that. And then uh, he was able to stay out up in front and uh, not have any issues and ended up winning the race over Christopher Bell. So uh, another uh, win on the road courses and he's only two wins away from tying Jeff Gordon. And then, uh, another win away from being able to have the all time wins in road course racing, uh, NASCAR. So, uh, it's, it's all achievable right there in front of him. If he wants it, uh, you have, uh, Watkins Glen coming up, Indianapolis grand prix coming up and you have, uh, the Charlotte Roval, uh, during the playoffs in, in October. So all of that's still, uh, up, up for grabs. Uh, this year, if uh, he's able to get that result. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a little inflated, I guess, because we're running more road courses. But nonetheless, the record is the record. So uh, it's definitely available uh, this year if it's able, if he's able to do it. And I think for Hendrick, uh, continue to show their dominance on uh, road courses as they've uh, been very good uh, overall as an organization this year, uh, on road courses. I mean, all, th- all four of those cars, uh, if they didn't have any problems could have finished in the top 10, uh, this race, Byron was on pole. Larson had a good car throughout the race. Uh, Bowman had a, a good car as well. So could have been top 10, uh, day for, uh, Hendrick motorsports there. Uh, good run for De Benedetto. Um, Stenhouse had a good run. So did uh, Austin Dillon. Uh, I mean, those guys aren't really known as road course guys, but they got uh, somewhat solid results. Tyler Reddick had a good run, leading five laps and then finishing eighth. Uh, and it was a good run for Chase Briscoe there, finally getting a, a good finish for once uh, this year, uh, getting sixth place and you know, could have qualified better. Uh, and like you said, but uh, they were able to come back from bad qualifying position and and uh be able to finish sixth and and be up there running against uh Danny Hamlin and Kurt Busch they had a good battle there at the end of the race uh and and uh definitely could have uh even finished higher if uh he was able to uh qualify better so uh on the road courses it seems like Chase Briscoe is definitely uh beginning to perform uh fairly well so got uh three more chances to 
be able to get a good finish on the road course there for Briscoe. But overall, I think this race uh, is pretty solid, even though there wasn't really, you know, a lot of, you know, crashes or anything like that. Um, even, even those uh, road course racing and uh, all that stuff, I uh, thought it was pretty solid overall. Um, I mean, we didn't really uh, have any yellows really, to be honest. I mean, had the beginning with uh, Daniel Suarez uh, stopping on the track and then um, 78 car Kyle Tilly making his debut, uh, stopping on the track. And then later on, uh, Anthony Alfredo had had some issues with his brakes and then couldn't uh, bring it back to the pits. And they brought out the yellow for that and the stage yellows. So uh, not really a whole lot of, you know, um, action there but still a lot of uh, good racing throughout the field uh definitely i think uh, road america uh earns a spot next year although i think it's already been not confirmed but i think they've already begun printing out the advertisements and stuff i think uh, there is a leak uh somewhere that they would be on the schedule next year so i think uh, road america definitely deserves a spot uh on the cup series schedule uh next year and beyond so definitely would like to see then uh, continue to run uh, this race. I mean, wish it wasn't on 4th of July, as we uh, discussed before, but uh, definitely this is a good track for the Cup Series to go on. It's definitely challenging. Um, I think uh, a lot of these drivers definitely uh, like running here and being able to uh, run uh, the different corners, the different straights that it has the multiple braking zones, you know, turn one and then turn five, definitely the one of the uh, two uh toughest uh braking zones on the track where you're going from high speeds and then uh breaking down into a slow corner so uh it was definitely a, a good track for them to run on and i think you know other drivers to talk about who I think uh probably good had good runs i mean you know talk about danny hamlin who's uh taking over the advantage in the points uh brad keselowski uh, hasn't had a good couple of weeks uh recently but was able to get a somewhat uh okay finish finishing 13th um you know, look, uh, Eric Almarola is uh, trying to do better than what he's been uh, producing so far. The beginning of the year, finishing 14th. Um, uh, Ryan Blaney, uh, he he won at Atlanta last, so maybe he he'll be able to get back in it uh, this weekend uh, as the last uh, configuration race uh, that they're going to run at uh, this Atlanta track. So. Uh, definitely a, a lot of drivers uh, had up and down days, but then yeah, at the end, Chase Elliott was able to win the race there. Yeah, it's uh, something that, uh, you know, we there we have a few races to go. We're going to have a couple week break because of the Olympics for NBC. Uh, but there is variety. We got Atlanta. You got uh, New Hampshire coming along the way and few other races before we get to the olympic break um i was just checking on a couple things there let's move this over here the points kyle arson um is three points behind denny hamlin in the overall for the 15 playoff points uh for the regular season title but in terms of the playoff point situation and counting all that, he'd be the points leader as of now. Um, either way, um, True X has three wins, Bowman three wins. Um, it's a good thing he has three wins because his points standing situation would put him currently 14th in points. Um, Kyle Bush and Elliott are the only are the two that have two wins. 
they are currently third and fourth in the point standings overall, or third and fifth, because Logano is fourth. Uh, so that's pretty good. And you have Byron uh, there with his one win. He's running pretty good. He's act- or actually, he's third. Sorry. Um, he would actually be third in points. Wow. Yeah, that's something. And you have Brad, who's basically running out the string, and it kind of looks like 2008 with Tony Stewart when they announced that he was going to go to – he was gonna announce. He announced he was gonna go and take over uh, Gene Haas's team, and uh, that team just basically shit the bed. It's the same thing going on, um, but he's only ten points behind Ryan Blaney. So I don't know what that really says about Ryan Blaney. Uh, he's gonna have a new crew chief next year. Uh, McDowell, of course, he backed in his one win. Uh, Hamlin Harvick going to make it more than likely uh dylan reddick are somewhat in the safe zone as of now uh kurt bush is in the uh, bubble spot as of now with um with the uh, you know christopher bell of course Christopher Bell and Ross and michael mcdowell are both behind kurt bush in regards to points overall but they both have wins. So his Chris Busher is, what is it, 20, 20, yeah, 25 points behind Kurt Busch for the cutoff. And then Ross Chastain, Ricky Stenhouse, and Matt Benedetto. Bubba Wallace is a further five points behind D. Benedetto there. 21st overall. Chase Briscoe's uh, sixth-place finish, uh, second uh, top 10 there, third top 10, whatever. He moves him to 23rd in points. So he is 100, uh, to to go and make it clear, he's 101 points out of 16. So the, the notion is this. If you're anybody after... Tyler Reddick, points-wise, maybe, I mean, it starts with Kurt Busch, but Kurt Busch has made up so many points, it's kind of, he's kind of put himself in a different zone, along with even, to a lesser extent, Busher. but really, after Kurt Busch and Tyler Reddick, if you don't have a win right now, you're gonna have to win to make this playoff. Um, and when you look at the drivers here, I think what Stenhouse ran well at Nashville, D Burrito ran well last week, Chastain's been running well recently. Uh, Busher's, I mean, I don't know. Um, Briscoe has a little bit of momentum going on his side. Those are the only people that you could kind of say maybe could do something uh, after that. I mean, there the the thing that I am happy about is at least as a Briscoe fan is he's well ahead of both of his teammates and two of his teammates. Um, the fact that uh, that team is god awful uh, in general, even Kevin Harvick sucks this year, so it tells you how bad they really are. Uh, they'll be going to Atlanta. 
this weekend, then they'll go to Loudoun, then they'll have their the Olympic break, then they'll come back for two consecutive road courses at Watkins Glen, and what uh, used to be the Brickyard 400 will be the Verizon 200 this year, um, and then uh, the race at, that'll be an IndyCar will be racing as uh, part of that deal on the Saturday with the Xfinity series. And they'll have Michigan, the one Michigan race this year and Daytona to close out the regular season instead of being on July the 4th. So an interesting uh, combination of races as we get to the end of uh, this part of the schedule. And, uh, Going into the um, Xfinity Series race in, uh, at uh, Road America, uh, Kyle Busch goes four for four in uh, 2021 with his win in the Henry 180. Uh, started fifth, finished first, only led um, five laps. But it didn't really matter. He led the ones I counted. Over he won over Hemrick, Annette, AJ Allmendinger, Harrison Burton, Kevin Harvick, Herbst, Sindrick, Gagson, Haley, the top ten. Uh, Andy Lally finished thirteenth. Run for BJ McLeod. Uh, he had Kaz Grala, who was in the thirty-one car, started seventh, finished eighteenth. Preston Pardis finished sixteenth. In the number 90. I'm just trying to go through some of those. Clemens in the end had issues after starting ninth, finished 28th. Uh, Balicki was running well and then got wrecked with uh, Ryan Ellis. I think there was Arca breaks involved in that. Uh, Brett Moffitt. I think, oh yeah, Natalie Decker Arca breaked into somebody. Uh, Ty Gibbs. Broke a transmission. It's not really a shame. Nobody really cares. Spencer Pumpally had a brake failure and crashed in turn one. Uh, Sam Mayer got hooked by somebody. I don't remember who. Uh, but he's had a very um, interesting start to his Xfinity career. The destruction of equipment. Uh... Yeah, Kyle Busch uh, continues to do what Kyle Busch does. And I guess we could say it if it wasn't for his own rules that they made for him. He might have done this a few years ago and he might have quit and we could have been saved. But at least he has his 100 wins that more than likely ain't going to be around next year in the Xfinity Series. Well, I mean, I think if it weren't for his own rule, he'd probably be pushing 200 wins in the Xfinity series and talk about Richard Petty's 200 win record. That's been around for, you know, over 36 years now. Uh, yeah. 36 years now. Crazy to believe that are actually 37 years. Well, we, we could be talking about Kyle Busch winning 200 races in the second series, which uh, says a, a lot about Kyle Busch and a lot about the state of the Xfinity series, but he wins wins once again this year. So uh goes four for four, like you said, 
and win number 201, certainly win uh, number 202, certainly on the line as well now. And it's going to set the all-time record because, you know, just have to pad the stats a little bit, make sure nobody gets to 200, you know, not like anybody will, but uh, definitely uh, getting his uh, win there uh, this year. And then, uh, I mean, it was not really a, a lot of things that happened in this race either. Um, I mean, Almendinger probably could have won that race. I mean, the, the main players on the road courses uh, were, were basically leading the race for the most part. You know, had uh, Almendinger leading 12 laps and Cindric leading 10 laps. Uh, so uh, uh, those guys uh, probably could have had a better run or something like that. They, uh, they continue to battle towards the championship. And um, I think uh, it, Almendinger probably could have used a win and gotten closer. I mean, he's 89 points behind uh, Austin Sindrick. So uh, he's got to do a lot more than grab fourth and lead the most laps to get the um, the points because Kyle Busch took home the win, but he doesn't get points because he's not running in the series. So uh, he leaves a lot of points on the table there, at least seven on the table. So uh, for Almendinger, um, you know, he's got to got to do a lot more to catch up uh, to the, uh, 22 there, but of course they'll get the playoff reset, uh, in a few months. So nothing really to worry about there, but certainly, uh, got to be able to push, uh, to get to, uh, you know, win the regular season title and, you know, Harvick was able to finish sixth. Uh, he was who I think I picked, uh, in our preview last week and, uh, you know, talk about how he finished 27th in the race on Sunday, uh, would have thought that, this result might've helped him being able to finish uh, better in the, the cup series, but that didn't uh, translate. And at least he didn't get one result good uh, there and good result for BJ McLeod uh, and that team being able to field uh, a car and see it run competitively uh, amongst uh, the regulars in the Xfinity series. So that should give that team or that organization a lot of confidence uh, and the rest of the year that they can at least build competitive cars, even though maybe they may not always have uh, the best drivers there, but certainly um, this is uh, another win taken away by Kyle Busch and Daniel Hemrick uh, finished second there, like you said, and should have uh, won a couple of races at least this year. So uh, definitely Daniel Hemrick uh, continues to finish uh, second and not win. So uh, another Xfinity race here at uh, Road America. And they'll be uh, running at Atlanta this weekend, um, New Hampshire, and then they'll uh, have their break along with Cup and go back to uh, Watkins Glen and then Indianapolis as a part of the doubleheader on the Saturday before the Verizon 200 at uh, Indianapolis uh, Grand Prix course. Uh, the GSP roundup is about to, or actually no, we'll do SRX. Sorry. We'll do SRX. Uh, next, uh, Ernie Francis Jr. Was the winner in, um, at Indianapolis or what do they call Lucas oil raceway park? Uh, there's, uh, Lucas Oil Raceway, um, what was IRP? Um, I'm trying to go and bring it up. Superstar Racing Experience. I'm trying to 
get over there. Get some results. Um, trying to close all those because things aren't working. All right. Um, give me a second here. Super sorry. All right. I don't need that. All serious co-founder has even more plans for SRX. That's interesting. He's got his teeth redone, so that's part of it. Um, race results at uh, at Lucas Oil Raceway in the feature race. Um, Ernie Francis won over Bobby Labani and Scott Speed. You had uh, Tony Stewart is coming off of two consecutive wins. Started first in the feature but only finished seventh. Um, Bobby Santos, the third, finished fifth. He was a local uh, legend over there at, for IRP. And uh, what was it? I think the ringer was Scott Speed who finished third. So there is that in terms of the uh, point standings. They don't give you uh, point standings. Um, but, yeah, the Ernie Francis Jr., seven-time Trans Am champion, winning in, I think, every class that exists in the current Trans Am series. He's won a championship in, and he's won races in all of them, too. So he's a beast. He's uh, uh, basically in waiting, and this is his opportunity to go and give himself exposure, the family-run organization he runs, in the TA category in a Mustang um, against guys who have a lot more funding and a lot more money, like whether it's Tommy Dreesey, who's a mag maggot moron type guy, or Chris Dyson, whatever, he, he does good. Uh, and then a bunch of old fogies that couldn't run up front when Trans Am actually existed. Um. But, yeah, Ernie Francis Jr. getting a win, 76 lap race in terms of 70, 76, as I mentioned with uh, O. Richard. Um, it was, uh, was a solid race. One as I think it was a little better than uh, the race they had at Stafford, but I have higher hopes for the uh, race at Slinger this coming weekend for sure. But, yeah, Ernie Francis Jr. gets the dub. On uh, a oval, pavement oval. Yeah, it's a good win for Ernie Francis. I mean, he does have a little bit of oval experience, but not much compared to the rest of the field. And he's uh, mostly been in Trans Am. And like you said, he's seven time winner there in a uh, diverse format. And he's able to go out and really, he's been good uh, running in this series uh, so far. You know, he had a, a couple of good runs. Uh, earlier in this series, and you know, he finished first here, but then also in uh, was it Knoxville? He finished fourth, and then the feature at Stafford. Uh, I mean, he was uh, up there and finished in sixth. So, uh, this guy is uh, really good, and he's only 23, and he's younger than me, so definitely a uh, uh, achieved a lot so far in his life uh, in his career as a, a race car driver so a lot of respect there to him 
And also, I think uh, Bobby Labonte, you know, was able to get up there and finish in second. And uh, Scott Speed led a, a good amount of laps there uh, at the beginning of the race. And then they had a good battle uh, towards the end of the race between him and Ernie Francis. Uh, then he got spun under caution, I guess, or the beginning of the caution by uh, Elio. And I guess Elio uh, finished ninth. So uh, it was a lot of uh, entertaining racing. Uh, Marco Randretti was up there too. And, uh, you know, the good thing about this track at, uh, IRP is, you know, they're able to use multiple grooves. You know, you've got the, the top groove up next to the wall, or, you know, you can try to do kind of a slide job. You know, you go all the way down to the bottom, go, you know, right up, uh, next to the apron, try to make a pass there. So, uh, you know, that's a definitely a good feature for IRP and, uh, shows what kind of racing this track can produce. And when you have the, you know, the right package, the right tire, uh, can produce, produce a, little, a lot of good racing. So uh, definitely uh, entertaining race for sure, especially uh, for this series and the format that it produces or that it's for. So I think uh, with, uh, with that, I mean, it was a exciting race. And then we have, uh, uh, we have Slinger coming up and then we have the finale at Nashville Fairgrounds and it's all going to be uh, fairly entertaining and definitely uh, looking forward to, uh, to it. Well, it sounds like, I mean, it'll be something with Ernie Francis going winning. I think he's second in the points, the unofficial points, uh, behind Tony Stewart, seeing who can go and get that inaugural, I guess, whatever uh, championship. Uh, looks like, I mean, Ray wants to go and run two on dirt, two on road courses, two on paved ovals, a doubleheader weekend. So I think it's uh, something that has been a a breath of fresh air in regards to motorsports in general, the SRX having the broadcast the way it is with very, um, you know, bare bones, cut to the point, cut to the chase deal, uh, you know, Minus the morons, I want to get butthurt that they don't show the opening ceremonies. Uh, it you literally get on a broadcast at eight o'clock, and at eight o two they have engines fired. It reminds me of the old days on ESPN or TBS or whatever TNN back when uh, they would show NASCAR, and they would take maybe five to seven minutes, ten minutes, and they have engines fired. You'd go and do a little build up. You'd have a little bit on pit road. You'd have stuff upstairs. Then you'd go and have uh, start your engines and get going with the racing instead of all the other crap that um, comes with the pre race. Um, and those who want to be mad about it and go to the racetrack, then you'll get to hear it. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna go to the racetrack, then don't cry that they don't have uh, pre race coverage. It isn't really um necessary to show it on tv so uh, srx definitely has that on point and they're what they're trying to do within a niche in the market they're trying to make their niche in a market that is saturated um trying to utilize weird looking cars or whatever those are supposed to be and make them work on all different circuits um there's for what I mean, I don't care for Ray as a person, but he's one of the great crew chiefs ever. And he's a creative guy. 
and they've created a car that's really good uh, on both dirt and on pavement. Uh, the GSP Roundup be uh, coming up now, and uh, what is it saying? I need the management. Ellie Deegan's gonna be driving the for Canaan. Uh, Luke Fenhouse, who won the Slinger National, seventeen years old, will be making uh, his SRX debut as a local hero. Uh, Greg Biffle will be returning in the Ronnie Limo driver number um, gold car, and so that'll be cool to see a teenager uh, driving in the um, SRX series trying to beat these wily veterans um, it says 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, so it must be 8 yeah so it's 8 to 10 for us because that was from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, Dave Coleman who's one of the best uh, riders in motorsports um, going to the uh, results in uh, in the um, GSP roundup, go to Formula 3. Formula 3 last week at Austria. Uh, they ran, uh, what is it, three races at uh, the Red Bull ring. As, as per the current circumstance that they have. In race one, you had Dennis Hauger beat Ollie Caldwell and Jack Dewin uh, in the uh, podium. So uh, uh, Prima won two. Enzo Fittipaldi finished fourth for Chiruz. Victor Martins for MP Motorsport finished fifth. Um, Jack Crawford finished eighth. The American for high tech. Kaylin Frederick finished ninth for Carlin. American Juan Manuel Correa tenth. American so decent day for those guys. Logan Sargent finished fifteenth. And I'm trying to do that. Arthur Leclerc had issues along with Clement Novak. Um, Ayumu Uwasa got DQ'd interesting um and then ito cohen didn't even get to start or make a lap in race two uh david schumacher the son of ralph schumacher won frederick vesti dennis hauger the podium there you have as in regards to all the american drivers struggled um, was it Logan Sargent only made one lap? Jack Crawford made nine. Kalen Frederick, 12. Juan Manuel Correa, 24. So on the back end of the wee lap there. Then Frederick Vesti over Dennis Sauger and Ollie Caldwell in the top three. Uh, Logan Sargent finished eighth, and uh, he was the only American there. In regards to the standings going to 
Hungaro ring in a few weeks' time. Hauger has 43-point lead over Frederick Vesti. Um, Vesti, Caldwell, and Duan are only separated by two points. Uh, Victor Martins is fifth. He's only eight points out of second. So that that battle is actually pretty close, but otherwise it's not that great. Um, Sergeant, 12th in points. Let me add all those other Americans. We have three, so four American drivers. I think there was five. Um, going to the schedule from past event. Going into the um, yeah, it's New York City Epre. Going to past events. The Indy Lights ran at Mid Ohio. Well, that's not what I wanted. Uh, as results in race one, saw Kyle Kirkwood over Daniel Frost and David Malukas. Linus Lundquist and Devlin DeFrancesco uh, were top five. Kirkwood got him again over Daniel Frost, Malukas, Lundquist, and DeFrancesco. So um, no changes in the first and second race. Uh, their next race, I'm not sure, says Toronto, but I don't think that uh, that's they've already canceled Toronto. They'll run Gateway in August, Portland, and Laguna in September. Uh, Kirkwood has an 11-point lead over Malukas. And then you have Lundquist, who's 25 points back in third. Frost is fourth. Sowery fifth. They're kind of close together in points. And, um, yeah, that's one of them. Go and um, W Series. Uh, was at Spielberg again. Jamie Chadwick, defending series champion, won over Sidorkova and then Kimmelainen. Uh, Sarah Moore, fourth. Bruna Tomaselli, fifth. Um, Sabri Cook finished 13th outside of the points again. But have, she'll have another opportunity a couple weeks' time at Silverstone. In regards to the current uh, point standings, Chadwick has a three-point lead over Sarah Moore, four-point lead over Alice Powell. Um, yeah, Savory Cook uh, doesn't have a point yet on the field of drivers. The going to IMSA at Watkins Glen. They ran uh, last week the WeatherTech 240 which saw the wheel and engineering Cadillac of Felipe Nazar and Pippo Durrani win over Ringer Van de Zanda and Kevin Magnuson and the Owen Ganassi Cadillac. And then Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque finished third in the Acura. Vautier Duval fourth. Jarvis and Tinknell fifth. And Cameron and Pla. Around out the prototype category, all separated by just over 15 seconds. Uh, ben Keating and Mikkel Jensen win LMP2 over uh, Thomas Stephen Tristan Nunez. 
and John Ferrano and Gabriel Audrey Aubrey in the uh, third. Uh, what is it? I forget what team that is in the number eight um, Orica LMP three. Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor uh, hold on over Tommy Miller and Nick Dandy with Cooper McNeil and Matt Campbell finishing third. Um, yeah. GTD sees Aaron Tielitz and Jack Hawksworth beat uh, their Lexus teammates, Frankie Montecalvo and Zach Veach. And uh, third was Rowan DeAngelis and Ross Gunn. And for uh, Bill Auburn and Robbie Foley got out to an early lead, but I guess they had problems there. Uh, there's people in that. Um, the next race is World Superbike at Donington. Um, the, I don't have anything there. Yeah. World Superbike at Donington in regards to the uh, race one. Top rack Rasgulu over Jonathan Ray and Alex Lowe's. Um, Sykes and Vandermark top five. Garrett Gerloff seventh in the first race. Then in the Super Bowl, Johnny Super Bowl race, Johnny Ray over Tom Sykes, Michael Vandermark, Haslam, Garrett Gerloff gets a fifth, Rasgulu sixth. Um, and then in the um, main race, the in the um, in race two, Rasgulu won by two point two four seconds over Garrett Gerloff and Tom Sykes. Um, they're riding Matt Vandermark fifth, and you have Lowe's, Davies, Ruben Rinaldi, Haslam, and Batista, not Dave Batista, Alvaro Batista, in tenth. Um, Supercars will be at Townsville this weekend for the first of two races to go and compensate for um, COVID uh, restrictions and whatever. So they'll be running at Townsville this weekend. It's been a Red Bull uh, racing Triple Eight benefit all year with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen taking the momentum from winning last year's Bathurst 1000 into this new year. Um, we'll see what happens in regards to the points. See if Ford can make any inroads in the constructors, but there'll be a first of two weeks there at Telltale. Um, and then uh, Formula E be running at uh, Brooklyn this weekend. Um, China's in their turn. Oh, Kyle Kirkwood's futures Indy car. Well, that's good. So we know which car he's going to get. Uh, he'll get the 28 or 29 next year. Um, Formula E uh, going into this weekend's race as Mortara leading by 10 points over Robin Freund and 12 points over. Antonio Felix da Costa and Rennie Rast and Mitch Evans and uh, 13 points over Nick DeVries. We'll see about all that. There's you know, Joel Erickson. And so those are the um, 
drivers and teams will get two races, of course, Saturday and Sunday in uh, Brooklyn for this weekend's uh, Formula E race. Um, the next piece and I'll throw to Josh for a little bit is uh, they used iRacing in part to go and kind of figure out how um, the um, the configuration would be for Atlanta. They're talking about higher banking in the corners, a much narrower racetrack. I think similar to what uh, Vegas is right now, maybe to a lesser extent. Um, uh, I'm trying to think Texas, but they're going to narrow the track with and then make the corners higher banked. Um, what were your thoughts when you heard about that? Well, I was kind of surprised about their um, changing the configuration of the track. And uh, I, I mean, I think it was due for a repave. Uh, it was getting pretty worn out and I think it was well past kind of the sweet spot, I guess, of where it was from you know, 2002 to probably 2011. I think after that, uh, even though it was pretty worn out, uh, the, you know, the, the racing kind of started to not be quite as good. And of course, you know, there's the, you know, changing of the rules packages and all of that stuff that you have to factor in. But uh, regardless, like, uh, I don't think Atlanta has been quite as good in uh, a while, but, you know, like with Atlanta uh, changing the track, I think iRacing, um, you know, it's good that they're able to model a track and be able to, uh, show what it looks like and I'm okay with the idea of you know maybe running test races but my my main point is uh, the fact that iRacing isn't quite as accurate as what people think it is and I say this as somebody that plays the game uh, it plays uh, pretty regularly that you know is on it um, you know at least once or you know a couple times a week uh, you know during a normal work week um, and, and weekend. So I think, um, it's, it's, a, it's a good platform, but it's just not quite there yet. The tire model is, uh, just not there, uh, compared to some other games and, and, um, the, the teams themselves and, uh, the manufacturers that do the simulations, uh, in-house, um, they, they don't use iRacing. They use this, uh, program called R factor, which is another popular, uh, sim racing program that's been around for a while, but, uh, they use the pro version, which is, a uh, uh, privately, uh, released, uh, to teams that want it. Uh, I know that NASCAR teams, of course, use it. I think even some formula one teams use this program and basically like the developers will actually, uh, develop the the car specific to the team or organization that wants it. And they will also mo um, model the tracks as they are uh, using the same method that iRacing uses with our, um, with laser scanning. But of course it's the R factor version. And it, it seems like the teams uh, are able to get a little bit better results on the simulation on R factor versus iRacing, which apparently they did try a few years ago uh, for, for a bit, but then they went to R factor so there's a disconnect there uh, because they use the difference. Uh, I guess they're using a simulation that, that while mass marketed and NASCAR has a partnership, it's not quite as accurate and it's not going to give the best representation of what racing might look like on there with uh, the next gen car. And then that also brings into fact that they've been promoting the next gen car and iRacing and uh, 
makes makes people like me worried that it's all going to be uh, f- uh flat out racing on uh ovals and stuff which is what it looks like for the most part uh, and then also you know the next gen car is almost impossible to drive on road courses right now in i racing and uh and makes you wonder how they're even able to run road course racing at that chicago track that they modeled uh for the uh series or for the game to to have for people to uh, use so uh that was interesting but uh the track changes itself and you know it does also go into the disconnect for the drivers and the teams like you know danny hamlin talked about the people that designed the track or they're going to make the changes didn't consult the teams they didn't consult the drivers and you know they go out and use a game that isn't quite as accurate whereas the teams have a different software that is uh a lot more accurate and produces better results than what i racing produces and and it seems like um you know there's a lot of disconnect there uh that you know they could have uh maybe contract contacted uh uh r factor or whoever and got them to give them the specs of the track and then make the track and then they the teams could have used their own simulation program or something to actually figure out what racing would look like uh from a more realistic standpoint uh than maybe what they might see on iRacing but the track itself you know they're changing to 28 degrees and then 40 uh feet wide in the turns so kind of maybe you said like las vegas but i picture maybe more like charlotte but uh, i think charlotte's a little bit more narrower than uh, las vegas but i don't think it's uh, quite as high bank so yeah. Uh, yeah i'm not i'm not as like opposed to the banking changes and um even the track with changes it's just that the way the method that they're you know going to reach the conclusion that this is going to produce uh optimal results with the simulation that's kind of what the angle that I'm going at, because I know the simulation and, you know, someone that uses the product and everything. So um, it, it also does point to the fact that with um, that is going to look like if, if what we think the gen, the new car is going to look like uh, next year racing, that it's going to basically, I know you talked about it. It's basically going to be like um, IndyCar racing from the mid two thousands when they were running only ovals and how it looked like at Texas and uh, Charlotte and Atlanta and places where they were trying to race in the mid two thousands. And it was basically just pack racing the whole way through. And that's what maybe this will look like uh, next year. And then, um, you know, it's like NASCAR is producing racing and I guess are producing a product to cater towards a specific TV audience. And I mean, I've heard some people say, on, on forums, people who are insiders that, you know, the best races for TV purposes are the super speedway races at Daytona and Talladega. And I guess maybe somebody thought, well, make it more like the tracks more like that, then we'll maybe see racing like that. So, uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of questions to be answered and a lot of things to, to ponder about the, I guess the direction that, um, this series is going in, uh, whether they should do flat out racing like this and, and where everybody's in a pack drafting or they should, you know, actually have driving skill or being able to, um, you know, go as fast as possible and then having to lift in the turns. And if you talk about like the old car, or I guess this current car, when it was in its 2014 package, when they were producing 900 horsepower and they still had a big spoiler, but you know, they had, I mean, tons of downforce, but you know, they were super fast and everything. And if you put that car on the new Atlanta racetrack, it would, those cars would be flying around that. And it would basically be like 1997 all over again when that uh, Atlanta became the fastest qualifying speed track in, in the sport. So um, a lot of, a lot of things to think about and 
um, it uh, shows maybe what the direction is and, and all that stuff. And, you know, it doesn't seem like the drivers are too happy about it. And it seems like there's a mixed reaction from the fans as well. Yeah. It's something they, what is a Matt Weaver posted uh, the coffee with Kyle clip from Tony Stewart a few years ago. I have that saved on my YouTube actually, because it's interesting to have Tony talk candid, speak candidly. And not that he wouldn't speak candidly, but for him to just be set down in a calm, you know, laid back atmosphere when you consider what he is or what he's become as a sort of mogul uh, of the sport and what he told one of his good friends in Kyle Petty about the way NASCAR goes about business relative to the way drivers, teams, whoever think. And it fits when you consider they're reconfiguring Atlanta the way that they are. Um, when I know that there was a bunch of things in play with Atlanta, I think they were trying to get a casino. The initial renderings showed them reconfiguring the track back to the old uh, configuration, which was a very long oval with huge turns. Uh, if you bank it at 28 degrees, and then you have the, um, you know, the, the track the way it used to be, and I think uh, prior to 1997, the fall of 97, maybe that works out. Um, I think you could have pack racing with that track, uh, making it narrower. Uh, as as you mentioned, Josh, and I, I said, I'm like, it's basically going to be they want the IRL. Um, I, I think NASCAR's gimmick is they want the IRL. They, but you can't like as much as they want to have the IRL pack racing or some of the IndyCar races of the of recent past where they ran at ACS or um, Indy 500s of recent years prior to the new the current car uh, where they had pack racing. The point is NASCAR can't really have that same product i it just doesn't work um, it only happens at daytona Talladega, and they destroy half the field so i'm curious to see what these people are going to think next year during speed weeks when this is the first time they're going to have these cars and i don't know how many hundred thousand dollars it's going to cost per car and if they end up wrecking one or two of them at daytona and you have, I don't know how many of them, I think six or seven of them, and you need to get through a good part of the season with at least five of them, you know, only five functioning cars. I, I'd love to see how the hell people think about that. And then you're going to go to Atlanta with a new reconfigure, brand new pavement. Um, they're going to be blowing tires like crazy. So there's going to be a lot of wrecks. Um, they're probably going to have issues. Um, with racing there for a while, unless they come up with some miracle um, cure. I'm probably, they, if they don't, they, it, it ain't gonna, they'll just do a new reconfigure and then they'll put penetrant on the track too. And then they're gonna go and. You gotta have good surface there. Yeah. And, you know, like they'll, they'll put the penetrant like Nashville or some bullshit and then 
the cars will be going 200 miles an hour into the corners, um, even with a BAS. And I mean, what the hell? You're going to be going wide open 200 miles an hour in a corner. Um, you're going to be holding on for dear life, and the next thing you know, you're going to wipe out half the field. I mean, it's I don't know what what they think. I mean, I know they they cater to the short attention span crew. I mean, this is the same uh, SMI that I mean, Texas Motor Speedway was a dump anyways, but they figured out a way to make a terrible track even worse. They, in theory, ruined Bristol. Um, you know, the Charlotte Motor Speedway has not been good for decades, um, for a decade and a half at least. Um, so there's that. They're trying to ruin Atlanta. Uh, Vegas, I guess, was it hit. Um, but then when you consider where it came from, it really wasn't that hard. Uh, they had to give up a race at Texas to Coda. Um, they had to get rid of Kentucky Speedway because it sucked, and they're running a second race at Atlanta. Um, Snoroma is Snoroma. It sucks. They should run the race in the spring. Uh, so it actually was there's grass. Um, I mean, that that's really where we're at. Um, what was the ISC tracks? You know, they've taken a race away from Michigan uh, for Nashville. Or no, that was Dover. Got rid of one race at Dover to go to Nashville. I forget what they got rid of to only have one race at Michigan. I um, I don't remember off the top anymore. But, uh, you know, there, there's – they don't – you have Kansas twice a year, and Kansas is not that great of a track. Brian France owns a casino there. Um, you have other things like that. But hopefully the diversity in the schedule will kind of help um, fix some of the ills that exist in the current um, situation. Uh, let's uh, get into picks for this coming weekend at uh, Atlanta, also Knoxville. For the first uh, truck series race at the home of uh, Wing Sprint Car Racing, uh, Knoxville Raceway. Um, I guess, um, what are you thinking, Josh? You want to go trucks, go from trucks to cup, or you want to do cup into the trucks? No, I mean, we can start off with the truck series here at uh, Knoxville and yeah. see how they go. Yeah, I mean, Knoxville Raceway, uh, it's been Eldora for for however many years but uh nascar and their infinite wisdom decided they weren't going to stay at tony's place um and they'll go to the home of uh wing sprint car racing uh knoxville will uh see uh hard r uh, try to go and win the knoxville nationals in a month's time uh, he'll be running that race and then going to Watkins Glen the next day if he were to win that race, it would be a very um, late night, early morning, and then he'd have to go from Iowa to New York to go and race uh, the road course at Watkins Glen if he were to win the Knoxville Nationals. Um, but his brother-in-law will have something to say about that, amongst other people, including Donnie Schatz and Brian Brown, who will both be in uh, 
this uh, Friday's truck series uh, event at uh, Knoxville. I wanted to go and bring up the entry list. There's 40 trucks for 40 spots, so everybody will make the show. Uh, and you know, they just went and took that Knoxville race page. Um, entry list page. They deleted it because there's no entry. So they're going to have qualifying races, whatever. So uh, you'll have all the regulars there, but you'll have guys like Parker Price Miller driving for, um, what's his name? Uh, drive Jordan Anderson. You know, he'll be driving. He's a 410 guy, 360 guy. Chase Briscoe will be in the 04 for Cody Roper. Um, then you'll have, or Corey Roper, I don't know, Cody Roper, I don't know, whatever. uh, Donnie Schatz will be driving, uh, DGR number 17, uh, Devin Rouse, who's, um, uh, LGBT, um, uh, you'll be representative, uh, in a sense, uh, be first, uh, I think openly gay driver, drive in the truck series he'll be driving um a reum truck um moffitt will be driving a second truck for uh not young's i know who is it uh that he's going to be driving for uh was it brad moffitt am racing so yeah that's a real gem of the earth um cody erickson will be driving the um Cram Dawson Cram team truck. Uh, Brian Brown will be driving the 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports, a multiple track champion at Knoxville Raceway. Uh, Brian Brown, of course, also ran SRX a few weeks ago. Uh, didn't have the greatest uh, showing there, so I'm sure he wants to do better here this time. And then uh, Stewball's wife, also known as uh, Tony Stewart's ex, uh, Jessica, uh, will be trying to will be making her truck series debut after uh, missing out at Bristol due to the um, weather and track conditions um, during the dirt race there. <laughs> so there is that. I mean, in terms of the um, entry list, it wasn't able to bring it up because they deleted it so i i think the uh, initial takeaway would be um i would we go for a regular or not i mean, probably we would because it's hard to get people to come in on on a one-off and try to win a truck series race but I guess I'll put it this way. If there is a regular that you would pick to win, who would it be, Josh? And then if there's somebody that's, I guess, a dirt ringer, who would you think has the best chance out of that as well? I think uh, for a regular, definitely going to just go with the hot hand, the guy that's been winning all these races so far this year, and John Hunter Nemechek, the reason why he – can't run good on dirt and he'll be up there probably uh um even though it's a track he's probably never been to so definitely uh have uh 
time in practice to get acclimated time through the heat races to get acclimated. Uh, so they'll, they'll be having a chance there. And I think, um, if I'm going to pick a, a non, uh, truck guy, a, you know, dirt ringer to come in and win, uh, or com- be competitive in this race, uh, well, I'll go with, uh, Brian Brown in the 51 I means automatically a good truck. And it's a Kyle Busch motorsports truck. So, I mean, you can go with the regular Kyle Busch truck or you can go with the ringer Kyle Busch truck. And I don't think he'd be wrong in either case. That's safe. I give you credit for, uh, you know, chalk. It's that's fun. Uh, I'll, I'll go a little different, uh, with this. I'll, I'll look at in regards to a regular, I had a couple people in mind, but um, I'm going to go regular. Oh, there you go. That's what I'll do. I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed. Uh, Sheldon Creed is an off-road racer by trade. Uh, He's basically Robbie Gordon 2.0 minus the anger um, and um, likelihood of going in losing sponsors even though he basically told marcus lamonis to suck a dick um but um creed needs to do something here i think they only have a couple of races before they go to the cutoff and the playoff cutoff anyway so because of how stupid the truck series schedule is so it would be a big win for him in his uh, move to try and defend his truck series championship here you can go out there and get a win do well on friday night in regards to a ringer i'm i'm gonna be a be a mark i'm gonna go and uh say chase briscoe um because he ran well at bristol in the roper truck um on dirt He's been able to bring that truck way up above where they should be. Um, also, I have personal bias in the sense, not just because I'm a fan, but I bought name, I put my name on the truck, both in big, whatever, and also for my, my late father um, will be on the truck. So it'd be pretty cool to um, see him run well. If not, go and win. Be pretty emotional if he could go and pull that off um, with both of those names on there. And I'll definitely have that. Hopefully, have that diecast here, and sometime next year, probably when the new season, season three of the GSP starts. I'll display it and then we'll make sure that sh- episode gets on YouTube. Uh, but um, there's personal bias aside. I think it'd be pretty cool to yeah. see uh, Chase go and win that race at on dirt at a track, a wing sprint car track. His dad was a wing sprint car racer. Um, he ran wing sprint cars. So it'd be pretty cool to see him win. Uh, but it'll be hard for that team to try to compete relative to some of these regular efforts and even the likes of Brian Brown um, as a, as a one-off or John Hunter or 
Sheldon Creed. Yeah, we do have a diecast code still, don't we, for uh, Circle B? Well, well uh, played there, Josh. We have the uh, Circle B diecast. If you want to get free uh, shipping on any order, you use the code GSP28. So letter G, letter S, letter P, and the number 28 for Davey and Ernie and any other person who drove the 28 car well. Um, not Alabama man or any of those other people that basically ran while well, Doug ran the team. Um, uh, Fred Lorenzen. Well, yeah, of course the it's fast Freddie Lorenzen. He's a legend. I have that diecast too. Um, Buddy Baker, um, Bob Yallison, Kale Yarbrough, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, many great drivers that drove the 28. Um, once upon a time, Ryan Hunter Ray used to drive up front in the number 28. And then an anvil, cartoon anvil, dropped on his head. And now he can't finish a race. Um, or something always happens to him every race for the, like the last five years. Um, yeah, so if you want to get diecast, you can can buy the diecast for the Knoxville race, the circlebdiecast.com. Uh, truck for Chase Briscoe. Uh, tell them that Phil and Josh sent you. I'm sure they might give you an extra discount. Might get a 164 out of it. I don't know, but it's a cool looking truck. So we'll see what happens with that on Friday. So now the Xfinity, um, Xfinity race will be on Saturday. Uh, credit. Karma Money 250. I'll save all the drama. I'm just going to pick Kyle Busch. Um, I, what's the point, really? I'm just going to pick Kyle Busch. Um, if I'm going to pick a, like a wild card of sorts. Oh, there's some real dead weight. That's caution. That's a caution. Caution. Yeah, there's a lot of shit in the back of this race. Um, in terms of a wild card to get something out of this deal, Josh Berry is in the um, Jordan Anderson 31 again this week. Wish he had a waiver. Um, he belongs in the playoffs considering some of the dead weight that's in the playoff right now. It's the same way with Grant Enfinger. Uh, the both those series would benefit um, having uh, good drivers in the playoff instead of the crap that they're going to let through because they run every single week. Um, I'll uh, pick Kyle Busch, but then otherwise, I'd, as a wild card, I'll pick Josh Berry uh, on Saturday. How about you, Josh? I think uh, as a you know regular you know contender, I think I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger one. Last summer at this track, and uh, starting well, uh, yeah, I guess he'll be he will be starting uh, third uh, at this race on Saturday, and it's some maybe uh, somebody has a wild card uh, 
look out for, you know, Ryan Sieg. Why not? I mean, they're always a good choice for an under, underdog uh, pick. Uh, they can get solid results. And certainly this is a track where definitely out of manage the tires a lot. It'll be the last time Atlanta, you'll have to manage the tires really. And, uh, you know, they've got good pace in that 39 for the team that they have and definitely could see them uh, in the top 10 at the end of the day. Yeah, we'll see if Ryan C can finally get uh, the luck to turn around and try to back himself into this playoff after last year when he got in with relative ease. Um, Cup Series race on uh, Sunday afternoon, the Quaker State 400 uh, at Atlanta after being at Kentucky for all these years. And they'll be running 400 miles, so on 260 laps there. Uh, Clyde will start on pole with um, Kyle Busch in second. Hamlin, Bell. So, so Joe Gibbs Racing cars will start from positions two through five. Kyle Busch, Danny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex. Larson starts sixth. Reddick, seventh. Kurt Busch, eighth. Ross Chastain, ninth. And Joey Logano in 10th. So you have a bunch of either former Ganassi drivers and the current Ganassi guys. Chase Briscoe, I think that is his best start of his Cup Series career. I don't remember him starting in the top 10 so far this year. So uh, he's going to start 11th. And they've run a race there earlier this year in March. Um, it'll be next to Matt D. Burrito. The Brad Keselowski's won at Atlanta multiple times. Uh, Blaney won there in March over Laura Larson. He'll start 15th. You have uh, other guys. Of course, Kevin Harvick will be starting outside of the top 20. He's considered a master at Atlanta. Last time they'll be running on that surface. Uh, you know, Bubber Wallace has experience there, of course, from a few months ago. So what will 2311 do? Same for Daniel Suarez is a little buried in 27th. Uh, yeah, that is. There's only 37 cars in this race. Um, the only open car that will be starting is uh, Ryan Priest. Bailey Curry will be in one of the Rick Ware cars with um, Garrett Smithley, Cody Ware, and Josh Balicki. Uh, I'll throw to you first, Josh, in regards to who do you look at um, uh, to pick for this race as a winner and as a wild card. I'm going to go the easy pick. Uh, this guy led the most laps back in March and should have won this race. Uh, Kyle Larson, uh, they probably bring back the same car and uh, they'll lead a bunch of laps. And this time they'll, they'll figure it out and actually win at the end and uh, get their fifth win this season. And uh, I think wild card uh, pick, um, uh, you know, I'll go with, now let's go with uh, uh, Eric Almirola. I mean, they're, far back deep in the the pack now you know they haven't really ran good and um, they did run good uh, at the all-star race uh 
and they were able to make it in and they had a, you know, won the second stage there. And, and I mean, it's a, it's a repaved mile and a half, but you know, they have a you know, similar characteristics uh, somewhat with the track link that Atlanta. So could see him maybe get something solid. Uh, you know, they uh, deserve to have better finishes than what they've been able to do. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what the number 10 is able to do uh, at Atlanta. Yeah, Kyle Larson, hard R is the is the kind of pick right there. I mean, I would, I agree with that. I I in I mean, I'm gonna go slightly off line. I'll go with uh, Denny Hamlin. I, at some point, he has to win a race. The guy's leading the point. He has to win a race, and now he has a stupid face on the car. So it only makes sense that his goofy cokehead face on the hood, um, him and Harrison Burton taking really cheesy like stepbrothers pictures for offer pad, whatever the hell offer pad is. Um, it only makes sense that he would go and win um, with, with his face on the car um, just to go and needle Corey LaJoy in that sense as well. Um, I mean, the Gibbs cars are all up there. Uh, I think Truex was uh, in top five or has been there recently. Kyle Busch has won there. Hamlin's won there. So it, it's an opportunity. I mean, Hendrick has been the best at these type of tracks. And, you know, Elliott winning would be box office but we'll see in regards to a a wild card somebody outside of the uh current top 16 i'm going to take ross chastain the guy's been on a heater um it's like it's at some point i think it's possible that he could go out there and win cup race and if he does that then i was just mark's gonna go and tell ross chastain oh no you don't have a job um, you're going to be in the all-star race. You're going to be in the shootout. You're going to be in all these different things. Um, it could happen. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, honestly, the way that they're running and the momentum they've built up here recently. Uh, we'll get into your sim segment, Josh. Uh, let us know where you are, what you're doing in regards to that. Um, and where you will be going here in the um, upcoming or this week and the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I think uh, when we talked about it the other night, um, I was doing iRacing uh, NASCAR 87 at Daytona on Friday night and had a couple of runs, finished second, and then did another one, finished fourth. And, um, you know, the thing about it was is uh the last lap i made a pass to get into second going into turn one and uh, i was pretty low on the track and was trying to keep myself off of the guy next to me and we got into turn one and it was pretty low and got tight and uh basically slid up into him and ran him over i guess and then this guy uh hit the wall and then spun out and then you know he uh afterwards uh i 
had had a chance to try to get up in the lead, but uh, didn't have enough drafting help behind me, enough uh, speed, and wasn't able to catch back kite up to the leader. Um, it was uh, kind of about uh, finished, I think, like car length or so in front of me. But the guy that I, I guess I ran over, well, didn't mean to, but you know, it was just a racing deal in my opinion. But uh, this guy was just like, oh, what the hell, man? And then you know, like just started saying like, oh, like I gave you plenty of room. Well, what she did and saying like, oh, I had no problems with nobody until, uh, you showed up. And, uh, I mean, I can, I should probably just post the link to this and then you can watch it and then be the judge. Uh, but like this is, I don't know. I've never had an incident in iRacing where someone was like that mad at me, where they just kept keying the mic and yelling at me or whatever for like, um, way past the cooldown lap and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, it was uh, just a really uh, interesting interaction and everything. And then I was just like, you know, it was um, sucks for you, bro. It was just hard racing. So, uh, and then I was like to myself on the stream, I was like, oh, shut up, man. Like, you know, quit talking. Cause the guy, this guy was just like talking the whole, the whole time, like um, coaching people, like when they were about to spin and like right before I passed him, I, um, was trying to stay off of him. And I guess I almost got into him prior to getting in turn one. And then he keyed the mic and was like, Oh, easy, easy, uh, stay off of me. And then, you know, I guess maybe he wasn't talking so much. He would have not crashed or something, but you know, it was just, um, I mean, it's a couple of days ago, so I've had time to think about this and it's not as, um, I guess fresh, but like, uh, it was still, still interesting interaction and i guess that's his introduction to us because you know i have i'm still running the gsp paint scheme so he's gonna see that and be like why'd that guy wreck me i should go listen to this podcast maybe i'll find out so <laughs> that's a interesting way to um be introduced to this uh deal here but um yeah i guess i guess i'm sorry for getting into him like that but i'm not gonna apologize for the way i raced because i mean that's that was my um strategy i guess was to pass the guy in second going into turn one and then have help behind me to get past the leader. But then I guess I messed up because I was too low going to turn one. I was like right on the yellow line and you know, 87 car, uh, pretty tight. Uh, I even lifted a little bit actually, uh, looking back at it, but, uh, got, got real tight and you can, um, in the replay, uh, there was tire tracks, uh, cause my right front got, uh, pretty tight there and laid tire tracks right there. But, um, never had anybody like get that mad at me before on iRacing. I mean, I've had, People, you know, I guess like when I was uh, beginning iRacing many years ago, like I uh, did something stupid and turned around and went backwards and wrecked the field. But that was like in the rookie series, like on the, um, was it, I forget, like not the Legends cars, but like they're like um, the street stock uh, Camaros or whatever. And, you know, like it's a rookie series, it's whatever. I turned around and crashed somebody like, or the, wrecked the whole field. And then because uh, I was mad at somebody. But, um, you know, I got protested one time for that, but that was like six or seven years ago. And, you know, I learned no better now than to do that. And this is like maybe the first time where someone like was on voice chat and just like continuously was going at me. And I, I really had nothing to say, but, you know, it's whatever. Um, and uh, as far as this week, um, probably uh, probably we'll do some IndyCar at Iowa. That's uh, that's I think the track that I was thinking the 87 car they're going to attract that I don't, I haven't purchased and I don't really feel like, um, downloading another track that I haven't, uh, really learned and going on it. So probably do some iRacing at, um, at Iowa. And that, that's a fun track, you know, multiple lanes, uh, multiple lane choice. And even though they don't race there anymore, 
um, still good track to race on uh, in the game and, you know, be able to use the high line, low line, try to pass and, um, you know, short track racing, IndyCar is a, kind of a lost start form. We don't really have that anymore. You know, Gateway's the closest thing to that. So uh, still, still a lot of opportunity on the video game to do that. So probably focus on that. And then um, maybe, maybe some road course racing with the MX-5, the Miatas or um, something like that, or um, one of the lower level formula cars like formula V. So we'll see what happens. Uh, definitely, definitely a bit more of an open weekend than in past weekends. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, last weekend was independence weekend. It was out visiting friends and stuff. So didn't really do anything on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. So, uh, now probably we'll have a little bit more time to get back into that. So definitely go and watch that on Twitch and, uh, we'll give the link in a minute and, you know, follow me and then, um, you know, you can see the replay and analyze what happened afterwards, um, and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'll be doing on, uh, uh, on iRacing, what I have done on iRacing. So. All right, we'll definitely check you out on there and uh, Iowa IndyCar, hopefully based on what uh, Roger Penske seems to be saying to the fat TOS, um, Marshall Pruitt, Iowa might be back on the schedule or, you know, hopefully a couple more ovals will be back on the schedule in time for 2022. Uh, be a good place to have a double header um, since they're doing or double headers at Detroit. You could have a double header and an oval. Um, they think they did Texas this year and hopefully they won't do that again. Um, I think really if they're guard, to be fair, I think the only place they could really do a double header and be worthwhile is gateway because they could actually draw and have a um, two day show there and it'd be all right. Um, they'll be running there here um, next month uh, as part of a back end, I think, or part of a three week run where what is they'll be running Nashville, they'll run Gateway, they'll run Indianapolis GP, then they'll run a West Coast swing to end the season, which is Portland, um, Laguna, and then the Long Beach Grand Prix uh, to end the season after. Um, a couple year wait to run the Long Beach Grand Prix. Uh, we will end tonight's um, Gripshire podcast. And uh, since uh, Josh was talking about his stream and talking about uh, sim racing, uh, let's uh, hear where we can follow you in regards to that, where we can watch you race, and then where we can go and follow you. Yeah, as always, uh, watching the racing, all that stuff, like we just talked about, um, I'll always go to uh, twitch.tv slash usailor2 and go go on there and see my videos and uh, watch me race. I'll, you know, try to try to notify you when I go live. And um, if not, then you can always use the link and go back and look at the replay and watch it there if you want to. And then on Twitter, as always, uh, Twitter at JP Huffine, go on there and then see what I said about the uh, iRacing uh, stuff regarding uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway and their reconfiguration and how they use iRacing to uh, test the reconfiguration and, and how it race and all that stuff and uh, weigh your opinion on that as well and you know as always um, go and comment and re interact I mean 
uh, also have other stuff on there too, talking about other sports. We have NFL coming up, so probably see some more Jaguar stuff on there. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning just won the NHL Stanley Cup, and you know, I'm not really into hockey that much, but uh, it's a good sport, and glad another Florida team got a title. So uh, glad for that. Got some friends that are Lightning fans, so happy back for to them back. and all that stuff. Yep, back to back. So uh, a lot of good stuff there. So yeah, it's uh, where you can go follow me and uh, watch as well. Yeah, we'll be talking more about uh, football here next few weeks, especially with um, the Olympic uh, break getting into NASCAR and IndyCar. Um, We'll have time to go and talk about football. Um, Might get a little baseball in there. We'll talk about football just in general, talk about fantasy football um, and whatever, you know, talk basketball. Uh, since the finals are going on and free agency, the draft about uh, baseball with it going into the second part of the year. And then, yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning, congratulations to that organization. Consecutive two uh, straight Stanley Cup uh, victories, uh, finals victories for them. I don't remember the last time there was back-to-back champions, but uh, credit to that organization, credit to that team. They're a great team, um, top to bottom. So there is that. Hopefully Colorado can get back up there. It's been a while. It's been uh, nearly 20 years since they won the Stanley Cup the last time. So it'd be nice to see them go and win again. You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow the grip strip pod um at at grip strip pod um on twitter you can go um um you can follow us the grip strip podcast on uh you can find us on apple Podcasts, amazon music spotify podbean pandora um you could find me on uh, talking in circles if and when that show comes back um you can find me on the grid talk podcast uh, with george house and former guest here i mean uh, talking circles former guest uh clayton caldwell um he's been uh taking care of his baby so his newborn with his wife so that's why the show hasn't been on um don't know when that'll come back uh, grid talk podcast of course is on uh, you can find it on uh, anywhere you can basically find podcasts. Audio-wise, they also have the F1 Chronicle uh, YouTube page where they post the show live. It's on Amazon uh, Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art Radio, Stitcher, TuneIn uh, for the Gripster Pod. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll have... Better news, and, and you can find the show on philipgmatthew.com. You can also hopefully find uh, a lot of better news in regards to my physical condition and my back, and also bowling better uh, after struggles here recently uh, in league since um, trying to make some money out of it. Uh, we'll talk about that at some point, too, uh, since the summer series for bowling is going on for PBA Tour. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, see you next week for the Ronnie Limo Driver episode 
Grifter Podcast. Um, thanks, as always, to you listeners, but also, but more importantly, to my co-host and right-hand man, Josh, for um, always bringing the heat and bringing the uh, calm, ice-cool, uh, Iceman perspective and uh, uh, keeping things in check. Uh, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm frying out or not. So thanks to you, man. Um, good luck in any races that you'll be at or doing. Um, and we thank you all for listening to Gripster Podcast. Um, take care of one another. Uh, stay safe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>